You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hello and welcome to Nick Luck Daily, the show that brings you the latest news and the sharpest insight from around the world of horse racing. It's the start of a new week, Monday the 9th of August, and Tom Stanley in for Nick, who is away for the whole week, earning a well-deserved break off the back of calling home goals for Team GB at the Olympics. So I'll be in for him today and for the rest of the week. We start today with some international reflections from the racing worlds we'll be talking to Mikel Michel French rider who enjoyed success for the girls team when they took the Shergar Cup trophy on Saturday we saw Joseph O'Brien win at the top level out at Saratoga with state of rest also success at the top level for Kirsten Rousing and Samart Prescott out in Germany Jerome Renier he'll be joining me on the pod a little bit later on Took the Primaris de Geest with the hugely progressive Mariana Foot. But we start, Lee Mottershead, lead writer at the Racing Post, by reflecting on the Keeneland Phoenix Stakes and success for Ebro River. And Hugo Palmer, who in winning the race, was winning his first group race for nearly two years. His first group one since this horse's sire, Galileo Gold, took the St. James's Palace Stakes. Lee, Hugo Palmer is back in the big time. Hugo uh, is still a young trainer um, and he's a young trainer who burst onto the scene really impressively. He was winning classics not too long into his career. Covert Love 2015, only four years into his career as a trainer. Then, of course, Galileo Gold uh, came the following season, winning the Guineas at Newmarket. And things I think Hugo um, will say when you speak to him probably haven't gone quite as well as he would have liked thereafter. Um, In 2018, he trained 87 winners and had 508 runners. In 2020, 54 winners and 280 runners. But this season, he seems to be on a roll again. Every trainer needs a good horse, just like every jockey really needs a good horse. And in Ebro River, he has um, unearthed, found actually, a horse who is uh, very much flying the flag for his stable and will hopefully continue to do so. Yeah, Hugo joined me a little bit earlier on and I uh, started off by asking him just uh, how he felt watching on as Ebro River took the Keenan Phoenix Stakes. Massively, massively thrilling day for everyone in the yard, for the owners, for uh, everyone involved with Alsha Cab and um, we're all delighted. Yeah, and it, um, you must be delighted to give Galileo Gold his first success at the top level. Yes, it's um, he well. This horse was was Galileo Gold's first winner and his first stakes winner when he won the national stakes and um, and, and and his first Group One winner um, uh, yesterday. And um, my my former assistant and good friend George Bowie um, has, has added a, a Group Three winner um, in between time. And um, and Richard Hannon's joined the party too, with system um, winning the, the Empress. So the, the side is doing so well, which is great to see. Yeah, he's absolutely flying. Are there obvious similarities between the two? Uh, yes, very much so. Um, they, I mean, the Ebro River is, is the image of his father, um, just a little bit bigger. Um, he was 
probably five or six kilos heavier yesterday than, than Galileo Gold would have been at the same time as a three-year-old. So um, this is no um, flash-in-the-pan, speedy little two-year-old. Um, he's, a, he's a big horse with plenty of scope for improvement for next year, which is, which is very exciting. And I, I, would it be fairly obvious to suggest that he would have the, the same sort of three-year-old races on his agenda? Um, this, he's a very, very fast horse. This, um, you know, he, he he won his maiden over five furlongs in April. Um, he he won the national stakes in May. Um, those are things that I mean, his father wasn't slow, but those are things that his father wouldn't have done. Um, so I don't know. I wouldn't rule out exploring a seventh furlong at some stage with him. Um, but I, at this stage, I would have thought he will stick to six furlongs. Um, and, you know, he, he would be going the, the Pavilion Sandy Lane Commonwealth Cup route uh, next year at this stage yeah. uh, would be my guess. I've linked into the, the chat with you um, by, by actually going back through and saying your first group success for nearly two years, your first group one since Galileo Gold in 2016, etc. Um, which I suppose is a sign of, of, of your, the, the start of the training career, the first five years of your training career, was, was on such an upward trajectory. How do you then reflect on the last three or four years, Hugo? So much of this game is about luck, um, which is ridiculous really but it is you know um ebro river was a i can't remember even what he cost he got 75 grand or 80 grand um you know i think all of my group one performers they've been lovely horses they've been well bought but i mean architecture costs Twenty-two thousand, Hawksmoor, eighty thousand, Purple Breeze, fifty, Galileo Gold, twenty-five, Covert Love, thirty. You know, all these horses who, who made their presence felt at Group One level for us were, were were cheap horses. So, you know, I think a lot of it is just luck. The first the first five years, I mean, at the time it didn't feel easy, but you look back at it and you think, goodness, that really did seem easy. Mm. Um, just the good horses turned up, and when you thought that's a good horse it turned into a good horse um and i don't know how or or why it it just hasn't particularly happened since we've had some you know i talk about luck we've had some bad luck as well i mean that 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 group success two years ago was um was powerful breeze winning the may hill um and she was very unfortunate um we was we certainly felt that um had things gone differently that she could have won the Phillies mile she was only beaten ahead um she just wandered and and, and idled in front and got nabbed on the line back in front of stride after the line um and she then got a fright on the heath and fell over and had a freak accident and broke her ribs and then she came back and fractured her pelvis and was retired and you know so that that Group 1 winner, you know, I'm, I'm certain that she had the talent to win a Group 1. She very nearly did. She was extraordinarily capable. So, you know, if she had not fallen over, you know, when she fell over, she was second favourite for the Guineas. Um, and, you know, we might not be then having the conversation of, of you know, what's, what's gone on in the meantime. You know, as, like I say, there's so much in life, and particularly in racing, is down to, to, to good luck and good fortune. So um, it just has to be very... Very aware of, of, of how much you know it, it come, comes down to that. Um, obviously, the, you know the, the, the trainer, the jockey, and all the stable staff. The massive team effort have to do everything right in the meantime. Um, but if you're not fortunate enough to have the raw materials, 
um, you know, there's not a lot you can do. So the last few seasons, but by no stretch have been have been poor. But I suppose in comparison to the success you were having at the top level a few years ago, has it just been a case of you know head down, don't change anything, and certainly don't doubt yourself? Well, yeah, I think a little bit of that. I mean, I did. Um, I massively regret it now. Uh, one, at one point in the last three years, we did we did change our feed, um, and that was a massive mistake. Um, and we changed it back uh, in the middle of last year, and things have gone an awful lot better than they had to the eighteen months prior to that. Um, that was a, it was a it was a huge error. It was done to try and make things better, and you know, you're always we're always trying to improve things. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to say that most of the things we try to do to improve things do make things slightly better. But changing changing the feed made things slightly worse. But I'm not the first trainer to change his feed, and not the last trainer to change his feed. And lots of people get get great success from doing it. But at that, in hindsight, I regret doing that. Um, so it's not a question really of not changing anything. But certainly, it's 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 believing in 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 your horses and what you can do and 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 being brave enough to take a to take a chance as well i mean every river only ran 10 11 days ago um and i just looked at the phoenix and thought you know what we've we've got a chance here um i i kind of felt that the the favorite was he was beaten a, a head a head or a neck by um the um by perfect power and we beat perfect power half a length at um at, at goodwood albeit in receipt of three pounds but I, I reckoned we had about a third of a length to make up with the favorites and i thought that was worth having a crack a pretty candid i think from from hugo there lee uh, and i get the impression that that um that meant probably a, on, a, on a different scale but just as much to him as uh, his first group one success but perhaps just launching him back into the big time that that won't have been lost on him um just on the race as a whole what did you make of the performance what did you make of the the quality of the first juvenile group one of the season i didn't think it was a, a particularly inspiring um first juvenile group one of, of 2021 if i'm honest tom it can sometimes look like that the phoenix stakes traditionally it's often been dominated by by Aidan O'Brien and often there are one or two horses that look miles in front of the rest going into race and then again thereafter. I think this year it looked a more open affair even allowing for the fact that Go Bears Go was a pretty warm order at the head of the betting. Aidan O'Brien had two runners who both started big prices and finished at the back of the field indicating that at the minute his juveniles with 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 with, with the exception of Point Lonsdale haven't really um taken off um so i don't think it was the deepest race uh we're ever going to see for phoenix stakes but i do think it was the race that showed ebro river to be the horse that we had always hoped he could be i remember watching him win the national stakes at sandown back in late may on the way to royal ascot and that day i thought he looked exceptionally exciting he he, he won that with loads of loads of power loads of flair and he, he just looked an exciting individual Thereafter, he'd been beaten at Royal Ascot in the July stakes and the Richmond stakes, and we'd, we'd thought he was exposed. But, but there was also there were lots of quirks about him. Um, he didn't look a straightforward individual. Um, I think Shane Foley made him look a straightforward individual at the Curra. He, he rode him in a very straightforward manner. He just got him going, got him doing his job, let him, let him roll along. And um, I, I think it was the, the Ebro River of old, even though we're only in the, the August of his two-year-old season. Um, I don't think he's going to go on to be a, a superstar. I think that might have been, been his day of days. 
But if it was, Hugo Palmer has done a super job um, to get that horse to win a, win a Group 1. Over in France, we saw a brilliant performance from Mariana Foot Lee and um, Mikhail Barcelona, Jerome Renier, who... Well, they've got this horse now up to the eighth time in succession that he's won. He wasn't necessarily all the rage. Starman went off at the, the top of the betting for the Primarise de Geest. What was your reflection on the quality of that contest? Well, I suppose my reflection, Tom, was that it, it wasn't the, the result or the winner I had expected. Um, I mean, Mariana Foot has been a good horse for a long time, and actually quite a long time. He's been going for, um, you know, since, since the summer of 2017. He's a six-year-old now. Of course, he missed most of last year after picking up an injury uh, in Qatar in February of last year. He spent the winter um, running on the all-weather um, here, there and, and everywhere. But in recent weeks, uh, recent months, he's really hit his stride, found his stride, become the horse I think Connections probably always hoped he would be. But after two Group 3 wins, I think he still wasn't, for me, one of the more likely winners in the field that included horses like... Starman and Lopi Fernandez, Rohan, Glenshield, Campanelle. I mean, this this was a, a deep group one. The Morris de Guise can obviously can sometimes be a, a weak group one, one of the 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 the, the uh the less exciting races in, in the top flight calendar, but this time it was a good one. And Mariana Foot was a good winner. Yes, you, you can argue that Starman, who finished third, having gone to the front and looked likely to win, he wouldn't be as good on that ground. It was soft ground as he would be on on the fast ground he got in the July Cup. Um, but Kinrost, I thought he ran a very solid race building on his, his group wins at uh, Haydock and Goodwood. Um, and Mariana Foot in the end, won going away with, with loads of authority. It was a tremendous performance from a trainer who's having an excellent season, one of the few French trainers who are actually making a mark in group ones uh, this season. Most French group ones have been mopped up by the Raiders. This wasn't one of them. Mariana Foot now looks a a genuine Group 1 horse, and he'll be exciting to watch wherever he goes. Yeah, let's see what his trainer, Jérôme Renier, thought. Well, I mean, he was giving us so much confidence uh, with his last runs. Uh, we were very happy with the way he was going uh, throughout the year. He's been starting from scratch almost uh, this year, starting in Marseille Vivo in a small conditions race in, uh, back in January in the class three and after he's been able to find some good conditions races and good uh, good opportunities to boost his confidence and um, he's been winning in Cain-sur-Mer in Chantilly and I was starting to think about this this race for him the most the guest uh, in August because uh, he's the perfect flyer he's not a pure sprinter but he's not a, the mile is a bit too long for him so I thought the Primoz de guess if uh, the, the straight course was not a bother for him, uh, was going to be the, the ideal target for him. So we've been racing him in a, over a straight course in Chantilly back in April, uh, over six furlong. Uh, and I know the trip was a bit short because the ground was very fast that day, but the final uh, 100 meters, he, he just flew on. So I thought maybe with uh, 100 meters more, it'll be even better. And... Um, I think that's what he showed yesterday. Uh, he was uh, cruising uh, at one furlong from home and uh, suddenly he did quick things up really quickly as soon as he got the gap and uh, he made clearly the difference in uh, 50 yards. So it was very impressive. And uh, yeah, I think he is the the horse for the Prix La Forêt for the Arc weekend if uh, the ground is not too soft. 
Mm. Yeah, so so up to seven um, for, for Arc Weekend. And Jerome, were he to line up there, would he be ridden similarly or or a bit more like last time over seven furlongs where he was he was ridden very prominently? I mean, he needs pace, and if there's no pace, he can go up front and uh, dictate his, his own pace. Uh, it's very easy to, to deal with. He's a very genuine horse. So if there's enough pace, like yesterday, he can uh, travel behind the leaders. But if there's not, he can go up front, and uh, it's not a big deal for him. So he's very easy to, to, to deal, honestly. Uh, he's, uh, he's got plenty of experience now. He's a winning machine, and... Uh, yeah, it seems that every, everything uh, he's been learning in the past now is uh, better than ever as a, as a six-year-old. Yeah, why now, Jerome? Why, why as a six-year-old? Do you think is he just the you know a lot of sprinters? I suppose improve with age. Is he just typical of that? He's had plenty of issues in his career. As a two-year-old, he wasn't beaten, and uh, suddenly he had uh, some. I mean, growing faces where he, he needed a break, so uh, they, they give him a break and. Uh, he was slow to get back into his uh, at his level as a three-year-old, and I uh, suddenly arrived in uh, Mr. Sowell's yard uh, in September of his three-year-old career, and we've, we've won the Class One, we've won a listed race, and I was planning on going to Qatar to to race him in the in this Group Two over there, and he, he's won it very easily. And when he came back, he he had to fight against uh, Phillies like Poly Dream, and uh, was very highly. A high level of group threes, so he, he was struggling to win his group three, and uh, he, f- he found the Prix La Forêt with a very soft ground, which he, he hated it. So we we were planning on going back to Qatar to win uh, this race for the second time in a row. But unfortunately, he lost the race for the shortest margin, mm. and he injured himself. So maybe uh, to stay six months in his box and uh, to make sure everything was going to heal the, the the right way. Uh, has been a, a bad thing for good. So um, now he's coming back better than ever, and uh, yeah, he's probably getting better with age, like uh, many sprinters, as you say. Um, you you like travelling horses, don't you? You've you've got a good record. I remember um, you you winning the Bahrain International Trophy a few years ago, as you say, Mariana Foot success in in Qatar, um, and the the last two years for you. Well, s- sum it up for me. Have have you surpassed your own expectations Jerome yeah we're very lucky to find uh, on our way horses like Royal Julius who's been a real star for the stable and we've got two six-year-old with Scaletti and Mariana Fruit who are top class horses internationally so I mean we are always looking for the, the, the best spot for them the, the, the best opportunity that's why uh, we went behind for, for Royal Julius because Mile and a quarter of a right-handed course on firm ground was spot on for for what he loves. And same, like uh, we won't be travelling mile and a foot if there's uh, not the perfect condition. And uh, we've been aiming one race for Scaletti this year abroad, and that's the Champion Stakes uh, in October. But we suddenly realised that the the, the gross surprise by Dalama the, the other day in Munich was a. Uh, was a great opportunity, and uh, we we've been supplementing him to to, to race there and to win another Group One, and that was a that was a great experience to to go there and uh, and to win a second Group One in a row with uh, Scaletti. So we always keep our mind open, and uh, and we we just wait the the horses to tell us that they are spot on, and uh, 
when they are, when they are feeling good we we're, we're trying to find the best opportunities is is the target for Scaletti still the another go at the champion stakes this year Jerome? yeah definitely yeah. we we're not sure how we will be preparing him for for this race because the prix dollar two weeks prior to the, the champion stakes it's a bit tricky with the logistic and uh, as well if he, if he, if he had a a tough race in the dollar we never know uh, and you can race him in the champion stakes that uh, wouldn't be very smart so we'll probably be aiming for another prep uh, a bit further uh, at least a month uh, prior to the champion stakes just to make sure everything is in good shape so we, we, we are thinking the, the Grand Prix de Ville at the end of August if the ground is soft enough at least it can give him a, a month and a half to, to come to the champion stakes with a bit, bit of freshness and uh, make sure he's spot on for, for D-Day. Well, we look forward to seeing him again and uh, most importantly, well done again yesterday. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Now, I suddenly realised off the back of that call that I, sh- I should have asked him whether or not they were going to roll the dice again next weekend, uh, perhaps against Palace Pier. Um, and he did confirm it was a possibility, but but getting all the more unlikely. They don't want to be greedy, as Jerome suggested, having already tasted success here, and that the, the main aim in the foreseeable future would be that foray. So I think unlikely we'll see him again next weekend for he is staying at Deauville, uh, Mariana Foot, uh, just in case. Um, elsewhere on that card, now if, if Jerome Renier was very calm, collected in his response to Mariana Foot's success, um, it was brilliant to see, and not the same could be said for trainer Adrian Nichols. <laughs> I know and, where you're uh, going here, Tom. And Mo Salita. I mean, it's a great video, isn't it? Just to see what it meant to... Talk about progressive horses. Mo Salita has been incredibly progressive, and that meant the world to the, the yard, that um, uh, pre-Moonlight Cloud success. What, what a performance, what a celebration. Yeah, and listen, isn't it, isn't it great to see um, spontaneous joy at a victory. My goodness, we've been watching it for two and a bit weeks in Tokyo with the, Olymp- with the Olympics. And we, we love to see people um, fulfilling, fulfilling dreams. So this, this, this wasn't a lifetime dream uh, for Trotter Nichols, but it was a big moment for him to win a, to win a race like this. Um, and again, a bit like what we were saying with, with, with uh, Hugo Palmerton, there are loads of good trainers out there, just like there are loads of good jockeys out there. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this again when we get to the Shergar Cup, but you just need the horses. Um, Trotter showed there what he can do with a good horse. Um, and it was a sort of celebration I'm looking forward to seeing from John Gosden, Sir Michael Staten, Aiden O'Brien as we go into the autumn. Yes, I agree. I can just see John Gosden screaming, go on, you good thing. Um, yes, yes, can, with his I, shirt ripped off. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Sorry. absolutely. Yeah, that, it goes without that, saying. That came as a given, yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Um, but yeah, I think one of the good things, that your social media has its issues, but that is a part of it. So as you say, we saw through the Olympics, we see in that celebration there, um, we've seen it during... You know, this is a knock-on effect of COVID with the limiting on travel. We've seen more and more of it, celebrations of connections at home, and that I welcome wholeheartedly, Lee. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we did see a lot of it, didn't we, during lockdown? Um, there were some great ones in Australia of, of owners winning Group 1 races, getting excited there. And it, there's a general point I've, I've made before um, about horse racing, Tom, um, on this and other platforms. It generally, it relates to owners. But I think viewers engage with a sport much more if they can see um, elation from from winning from those who from those who win um, and you know too often 
we see um, owners or trainers who can look a little bit po-faced um, in victory and look, look like they're, they're off to the dentist. Um, it's far more engaging for viewers if you see at the end of a race a group of winning owners jumping up and down excited because you can identify with them. So I think all reactions like that are marvelous. We're not all going to be the same, you know, and nobody, nobody should force someone um, to become Mr. or, or Miss Excited um, if they're not. But, it, but now and again, it's really great to see someone showing their, their, their real core emotion, showing the joy, um, because I think we, we then feel that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Right, some more international reflections. You can um, reflect on both. Uh, none, either of these, if you like, Lee, but we had uh, State of Rest for Joseph O'Brien. Johnny Velasquez taking the Saratoga Derby Invitational. Bolshoi Ballet, the, the favourite, was back in fourth in the end under Ryan Moore and Aidan O'Brien. Cadillac a touch disappointing, I suppose, although Shane Poley's weekend got a l- little bit better, as we've discussed. Uh, and we also had Alpinista taking the Grosser Priest von Berlin for Kirsten Rousing and for Sir Mark Prescott. And Kirsten's equaled her best ever tally, 23, I think, in a season. Yeah, she really has. And of course, she's also got a star two-year-old filly um, in Sandrine, who, who could be a, a proper classic candidate um, for next season. Um, that filly is with Andrew Balding. Alpinista is with one of, well, one of Kirsten Rousing's um, long-term, um, long-term trainers, Sir Mark Prescott, who's been sending in winners for her for an awfully long time. And this win was an awfully uh, long thought of plan, um, really. I mean, Al- Alpinista um, is a horse who always had the, the potential um, to win a, win a group one, but realistically, there are easier group ones than others to win. And this one in, in, in Germany, um, the, the grosser price from Berlin, not the hottest group one in a calendar, but when Alpinista's progeny um, appear in, in sales, catalog, sales catalogs, if one ever does, obviously Kirsten Rising races an awful lot of her own horses, um, that, that will say a group one victory. Um, and Alpinista did, won the race really well. Um, and some Art Prescott's quotes thereafter were as marvellous as ever. He spoke about his delight at seeing Luke Morris uh, blocking or hampering him in one of the, the other jockeys at one point um, in the race. He didn't try to hide that. Um, and yeah, another example, again, of, of the genius of Sir Mark Prescott. You'd imagine this, this lady will go on to, to Champions Day, where if they get, um, if they get decent ground, um, or indeed soft ground, because she can go on any sort of ground. I think this horse, firm ground or soft ground, she, she'll, she'll have a chance. But whatever happened, she's now won a group one, and that is down to the, the, the magnificent breeding program of Kirsten Rousing and the magnificent training of Sir Mark Prescott. Right, Shug our cup. Uh, let's reflect, first of all, by hearing from part of the winning team, the girls' team, French rider Mikhail Michel. Yes, fantastic. Um, it, it was a great experience uh, than I thought. And um, it was perfect because uh, the ladies' team won. Um, the atmosphere was very beautiful. Uh, yes, it was a fantastic moment. I'm interested how it compared for you riding at Ascot to uh, the the tracks you've ridden at in in Japan um, and the atmosphere and and all those sorts of things. Um, the atmosphere is close to um, 
Japanese atmosphere because a lot of people come for enjoy the day, not like here in France. Um, so I feel a little bit like in Japan when I rode there. Um, the track, I can't compare the track with uh, the Japanese track. It's very different and the style of the races also. But um, it was a great experience, and the track is fantastic. Like yeah. on my TV, you know, I, I every time I watch the the big races, and uh, it was like this. And what was it like riding as part of a, a team? Is it is this the the first time you've ridden in a team event? Um, one time I rode in uh, in Sapporo in Japan. Um, but it it was different because we we were um, fourteen jockeys and just two teams, so it was a little bit like uh, we ride for a team, but not really because seven jockeys for one team it's a lot. So yes, it it was my first time in Ascot, and um, I really like the, the feeling um, because I was very happy. I don't want. But I was happy <laughs> because uh, the, the ladies of my team won or uh, make a mark a point. So um, it was very nice feeling to don't try just for for myself, uh, just just for me. It's a um, strange feeling feeling for the jockeys, but I think it's a great experience. And the the girls team have a, an excellent recent record. Um, I'm sorry if this is a a difficult question or confusing question but in in the UK there's been a lot of recent female jockey success which has been great to see how do you feel being uh, a female jockey riding around around the world do you do you hope or do you feel accepted as a jockey or are you very much a female jockey do you does that make sense um for me, we are jockey, not mm. a female jockey. We we make the same job, but I know it's um, now the life change, and the trainer and owner have to accept uh, we can make the same job that uh, than the jockeys, the male jockeys. Um, but I know it's difficult for them to accept that at hundred um, percent. We have to work hard and uh, and don't give up um yes it's it's very hard but i'm very proud and uh, I, I think my team also because we show um the female jockey can uh, rise and win and fight with the male jockey and we do we did it well so um, your question yes it's not easy but I'm sure we are on the good way. Um, lots of female jockey uh, all over the world won many group races now, and um, I'm sure on the near future we can uh, see a female jockey on the group race uh, every weekend, for example, and it will be normal. I'm sure, and I hope too because we work hard for that. And yes, we, we just want to be a jockey. Exactly. I look forward to when I'm no longer asking that silly question. So exactly. <laughs> um, look, thanks so much for, for joining me on the podcast and well done at the weekend. It was it was great to see you all winning. So, so thanks very much. 
Thank you so much, and uh, it was very big pleasure for me to ride uh, my first race in Ascot in England. Uh, Lee, I've got a, a terrible, naughty confession to make. Oh, yeah. Go on. I love the Shergar Cup, but I feel <laughs> in the racing world, you can't shout that. You've got to say it slightly under your breath in case well, people don't think you're a purist and they don't think you're a proper racing fan. Well, do you know, Tom, we, we all like different things. You know, I wrote in the Racing Post last week that as yet, I've got to be honest, the racing league hasn't really grabbed me. But as, as, I, as I pointed out, I think you might have picked up on Tom. I, I also don't like Taramasalata. Loads of people do. We all like different things. Loads of people don't like the Shergar Cup. I'm a bit like you. I think you just take it for what it is. You know, it, it happens in this sort of slight silly season. Is this, this lull we have between Glorious Goodwood and the Ebor Festival. It's, it's a two-week period in which the racing is otherwise grand. We've been through like group ones, haven't we? Maurice de Geest and the race in Germany, and we've got some good stuff at Newbury this weekend. But it, it comes between two peaks of the season, the Shergar Cup, and it, it makes that Saturday. Uh, it's, it's one day, it's six races. Um, generally, you would get about 30,000 people to ask it for. It, it, it would rival the King George um, in terms of crowd. That wasn't the case this year. Um, far fewer people, probably 11,000, 12,000 people were at Ascot on Saturday. In part, that's because um, Sophie Ellis-Bexter, who was doing the post-racing concert, was only able to confirm early in the week. In part, it's because Ascot isn't really pushing things at the moment. Their, their, their policy is very much to, to gradually build towards um, next year's Raw meeting in terms of, of crowds. And the weather was also awful in the morning. It got better, but it was bad in the morning. Um, so there weren't as many people there. It was a different sort of Shergar Cup as well. Normally we have jockeys from all over the world coming in for the rest of the world team. This year, Sean Levy, who was the rest of the world team captain, came from Collingbourne Juices um, on Saturday and Kevin Stock came down from Thirsk. Now, obviously, they're, they're, they, have, they have more, more interesting nationalities um, than that, but they didn't, it didn't feel like a, a particularly global rest of the world team. And yet, despite it being a different sort of Shergar Cup, it was still thoroughly engaging, um, thoroughly enjoyable, six decent races. And as often happens at the Shergar Cup, someone emerges um, from it, um, having had a, a huge day. And this year it was Nicola Curry, um, who, again, just following that trend that we've gone through on this edition of the pod today, Tom, of, of jockeys or trainers who maybe don't always get the chances that their talent merits, but then if they get an opportunity, they can really seize on it. Nicola Curry did. She had two winners. Um, she won the the silver saddle for the the, the, the highest points earning rider on the day. Uh, she rode her first ever race for Mark Johnson, um, first ever winner for him as well on, on State of Bliss. And he was making the point afterwards. He was hugely impressed. And he might well now think about using Nicola Curry in the future. That probably wouldn't have been the case, but for the Shergar Cup. So it was a huge day for Nicola Curry. I think the people there will have enjoyed it. I'm sure the TV audience on ITV and Sky Sports Racing enjoyed it as well. I think take it for what it is. It's a bit of fun. And Tom, I think we should shout it loudly. We like the Shergar Cup. That wasn't actually very loud, was it? We like the Shergar Cup. That's yeah. better. That's better. I think the point is, you were there. And I think I haven't been actually for a couple of years, but you, you've got to go. And that is the, that's the point. It's, I remember being there a few years ago. You had Joe Marrera there. I think it was a great day. I think it was for Sammy Joe Bell that day. It may have been Holly Doyle. Um, I think it's been great. The girls have had success in the last few years. They've really seemed to, to um, 
to to give that a sense of occasion and to really love everything about the day and and the crowd enjoy it too so so there you are i think you've got to go to really appreciate it right I think you're right to, to follow up on a few things now um first of all your piece if you don't mind i know there weren't so many people at the shogar cup but i think had there been a lot of people there it may have drawn some attention with regard to crowd behavior and how the crowds were going to behave you wrote a piece after goodwood you've written another piece about anti-social behavior since the return of crowds yeah, and really did this this one, um, Tom. Well, the first piece stemmed from a fight that took place at Goodwood on the Friday of Glorious Goodwood. Um, so the column ran last week. Often you will find that columns, um, this, they, 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 they engage with people in different ways. Sometimes you get loads of feedback. Sometimes you get very little feedback because some subjects interest people more than others. Inevitably, the one last week had lots of feedback, lots of engagement, uh, and people were putting forward their views uh, on social media and also giving first-hand examples of their experiences of crowd behavior one particular guy sam lucas had been to uh, a bath meeting on the uh the, actually the same day as the, the the goodwood disturbance a week last friday it was an evening meeting there's a kaiser chiefs concert thereafter he was taking his girlfriend racing for the first time sam's a regular race go his girlfriend shauna uh, hadn't been before she was surprised how few people were actually there watching horse racing but i think what surprised maybe not surprised i think he was maybe expecting it to, to a degree was the extent he saw of um, alcohol consumption and particularly drug use. Um, he spoke about, um, uh, he said there was a sniffer dog as you walked in, but every time I went to the toilet, there were cubicles with more than one guy inside. You would see two or three people coming out of a cubicle. I saw people aged between 18 and 30 freely passing drugs around in the queue for the cubicles. And nobody seemed to bat an eyelid. Um, and that chimed with um, conversations I've had with the racecourse sector um, in the last week. They um, were free to admit that they now see drugs as their biggest enemy on racecourses, more so than alcohol, particularly because cocaine use on the top of alcohol consumption um, can produce significantly more aggressive behavior in a person than that normally would. The racecourses told me that the police in recent weeks have been telling them in advance of big meetings to expect far more bad behaviour than they would have expected. And racecourses are seeing that bad behaviour. There is an acknowledgement among our racecourses, among British racecourses, that crowd behaviour is far worse now than it had been when crowds were racing prior to lockdown. Yes, indeed. And um, no doubt more on that in the coming weeks on the pod. Um, rightly, if you'd send us away with a tip, please. I'm going to be a bit bold, Tom. I was going to uh, tip the horse who, when we started this pod, was showing at 25 to 1. Um, but I've witted on for so long that as I look now, the best price is 20 to 1, maybe 18 to 1 as well. So by the time listeners listen to this hopefully the horse might even have won you never know i could it's, hear you in the background clicking away taking yes, the price yes 21 still available it's a 735 at windsor tom a horse called Avita, trained by rafe beckett ridden by rob hornby uh she won impressively at windsor earlier in the season has disappointed twice since then um but i still think she's a a smart horse and i think at uh, uh, 20 to 1 tonight in the race at wins i'm hoping that we get eight runners still because that makes each way betting uh, to three places possible and if that is the case i think avita in the 735 at windsor is worth a small tickle lovely stuff lee thank you very much indeed thanks everyone at home for listening i'll be back tomorrow bye-bye
you've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.